You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This this is the Blue Horseshoe with your host, George Brummer and Ryan Hickey. And welcome back into the latest edition of the Blue Horseshoe podcast. George Bremer, Ryan Hickey here with you. And George, I feel like I have deja vu because just last week we were starting the show off with a chance for the Colts to end a streak this time or this time last week. The streak was losses in week one. That number was eight. Now we are sitting here talking about the Colts possibly ending a streak Uh, This time, not winning in Jacksonville since 2014. The Colts technically, technically broke the losing streak for week number one. Obviously, we know they did not get a win. What is your your level of confidence? What is your level of optimism that maybe on Sunday evening, we were talking about the Colts finally breaking what has been a futile streak in Jacksonville? Honestly, it's pretty low right now. I mean, I feel like... This team lost a lot of the benefit of the doubt last time out. You know, you go into week one and you believe, okay, things are going to be different and, and they've changed a lot of things and, and they've ironed some things out. But for three quarters on Sunday, it looked a lot like it did the last time we saw this team in Jacksonville. Uh, and right now, you know, look, week one's weird every year. We talk about that across the league. It's not just here. Uh, most people find a way to win. The good teams find a way to win. Uh, Colts tried to find a way to win. I think you have a whole different feeling. It's kind of – it's kind of terrible to, to, to recognize that if that field goal goes through, you're probably having a totally different conversation. But at the same time, divorce that from the reality that, hey, this team played bad football for, for three quarters. It, the tape, I think, looks better than, you know, they always say it, it's never as good as you think it is. It's never as bad as you feel like it is uh, when you go watch the tape. And I think the tape feels better. They were dominating that game in a lot of ways. Even though they were down 20 to three, the mistakes were just so massive you know whether it's running into the kicker whether it's fumbling the ball five times whether it's two drop touchdown passes uh so you know the the mistakes they they literally couldn't get out of their own way and i think we've just seen that happen so many times in jacksonville it's hard to just sit here right now and assume uh in six days time or whatever the time between the games it they're going to flip a switch and, and change everything and we will talk to Marcel Robinson in a little bit here to get kind of his perspective, host of the Jagsaw podcast, to get, you know, his behind-the-scenes view of what is leading to this cold streak. But you're right, George. Like, last Sunday's game against the Texans really did mirror a lot of the issues that have gone wrong for the Colts in Jacksonville. A lot of it has been self-inflicted, whether it's been Andrew Luck, whether it's been Phillip Rivers, or as we know last year with Carson Wentz, a lot of it, for the most part, 
hasn't the Colts beating themselves, not the other way around. And it's frustrating when you watch this team commit the same mistakes and really, like you said, allow an inferior team to hang around and tie when you are dominating most of the game in almost every statistical category, except really the only thing that actually matters, which is a scoreboard. Are you a believer in like curses or hex? I know like sports fans are, are very weird when it comes to like superstitions. It's been a long streak in Jacksonville. Are you a believer in like uh, in curses? You know, I try not to be, but the, the more you're around this team, the more you start to wonder. I mean, how else do you explain 0-8-1 in week one with the things that this team has done any other 16 weeks in most of those years? And how else do you explain losing 6 to nothing in 2018 to Jacksonville? Yeah. That team was red hot. I mean, they had an eight-game winning streak going down there. They got shut out with Andrew Luck under quarterback. I Look, I don't – generally, I'm not a superstitious guy. I don't really think much of, of you know, curses and, and, and things like that, but – this is one of those things. It's, I don't know. I don't know how else you explain this. Honestly, I am definitely superstitious. I'll be honest. Like if I wear a Colts Jersey, let's say, and they win that week, well, I'm definitely wearing the same thing next week. Cause I'm like, I'm not going to be the, the reason why this team loses for sure. So I will say, I, I don't know if it's just, I don't know what is it. Something in the water. If it's just like an intimidation factor, like George, do you, have you been to every Jacksonville game since 2014? No, you know what's funny? So I was talking about this the other day with my parents because they were asking me where I've been the most. You figure Jacksonville's high on the list because they're in the division. I've only been there once. But really? The, we only, you know, we've had different, everybody's had travel issues the last few years, so that's part of it. Uh, but the two times that I went on the road with Jacksonville, one was in London and, and one was in Jacksonville. So uh, I've only been there. This will only be the second time that I've been there. Um but, you know, you, you see what's going on. I mean, we talked about that 6 nothing game in 2018. That one sticks out to me the most just because uh, of all of them. It's such a they, – they were in an 11-game stretch where they were a super team except for yep. one game in Jacksonville. Um, but, you know, 2020, uh, Marlon Mack gets hurt in, the I think, the second quarter, uh, and they turn the ball over a bunch in the third and fourth quarter, and Jacksonville comes back and, and stuns them. And that's a Jacksonville team that only won one game. Uh, I want to say the 2019 game was close going into the fourth quarter, and they turned the ball over like three times, end up getting blown out by Gardner Minshew. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, last year, we're not going to replay that. Everybody knows that one's fresh yeah. in, in, in everyone's mind. But, you know, I, the one thing I think if you're looking for like some sort of cohesive explanation, I think what Jacksonville's done really well is drag the game down in the mud, make it hard to do anything, and then win in the trenches. I think when they do that, uh, the Colts don't get that a lot. You know what I mean? The Colts, have, especially in the Frank Reich era, they're used to being the bullies. Their offensive line's dictating to, to the other team. Jacksonville's been the one team consistently. I mean, they've had other spots here and there. They didn't play great, you know, against Houston even this, this week. But Jacksonville consistently has been the one team that's come out and kind of punched back and, and won that battle more often than not. And that's part of the reason why I like I am concerned and even almost to a, a sense like superstitious and a point like you're right. The the defensive line especially has been one of the biggest reasons for Jacksonville why they have been just so dominant at home against the Colts in recent years. But it's also too like you look okay, they don't have a big home field advantage so it's not like the Colts offensive line is kind of playing, you know, and a disadvantage because, you know, the defensive line has their ears pinned back cuz it's so loud you can't hear yourself think and you're on a silent count. The, the home crowd has been favorable or, or non-factor for the most part. So you can't really say that's a big deal. You know, talent-wise, there's not a lot of talent on this Jacksonville Jaguars team, really outside of the one year they went to the AFC Tauta game in 2017. And that was one of the worst iterations of the Colts we've seen in this street because that was the year Angel Luck obviously did not play. 
So it's like you really try to look for a reason, and you're right. The defensive line is one of the areas you could point to that Jacksonville has dominated the most. And on paper, that should be an area where the Colts are best equipped to push back. They have, in terms of draft pick-wise, com- uh, uh, payment-wise, they have put so much resources, time, and effort into building an offensive line. We were talking about in the last pod, the, the latest extension for Quentin Nelson, you know, resetting the guard market. They got Ryan Kelly extended him. You drafted Brady Smith back in 2018 as well. You have foundational pieces on your offensive line that should be able to withstand a Jacksonville Jaguars push. By the way, George, for the most part, for the most part, a lot of these years with the Jacksonville Jaguars defensive line, it's been younger players. They've been drafting a lot of the, uh, of guys on the defensive end, but there's still there's not a lot of established Calais Campbell-esque veterans that are dominating. It's been a lot of young talent. We'll see another one this weekend, Trayvon Walker. But it's like this should be a unit that is built to withstand the Jaguars' pressure, and for whatever reason, they can't. Obviously, last year was the biggest example of that, where there should have been no excuse for it, and that was really where the game was won and lost is because they couldn't defend it and couldn't get any sort of push up front to either you know, keep Carson Wentz upright or open in holes for Jonathan Taylor. I was say, extends to Jonathan Taylor. I'm glad you mentioned that. I mean, you look at the last six quarters that they played against this team, the last game and then the two quarters in the second half of the game at Lucas Oil Stadium. They've done as good a job as anybody on Jonathan Taylor. His numbers were decent in the second game. I think he got close to 100 yards. Might have even been at like 105. It's somewhere between like 93 and 105, something like that. Uh, but his yards per carry are, are way down compared to where he normally is. Again, they just make that sledding really, really rough. Uh, I think they're if I'm Jacksonville, and then we'll get into the game preview a little bit more in the third segment of, the, of today's show. But uh, if I'm Jacksonville, my goal is to come out and stack the box, make them prove again that they can you know, get that push, and then double-team Michael Pittman. And I'll take my chances with everybody else, honestly. That's a great strategy, George, uh, George too, because you look on Wednesday, the Colts have announced that Alec Pierce is in concussion protocol after that big hit that he suffered on Sunday. Now it was a, a later onset in concussion-like symptoms, which is why he's back in the game. And now we're just learning about this on Wednesday. But that also now underscores, to your point, okay, you want to take away Jonathan Taylor, you want to double-team Michael Pittman Jr., one of the guys we have both talked about and looked at as you know taking advantage of one-on-one opportunities and stepping up with the Colts in him has been Alec Pierce. If he's unable to play on Sunday, that's another weapon that is now off the field and now puts extra pressure on guys like Paris Campbell. You're probably going to see Mike Strawn on the field more. I think either way, if Alec Pierce does play or not, because Strawn was, was one of the few guys that did make a few impact plays and was, and was called upon. And Mo Ali Cox, too. Like, you're going to have now really, really have to rely on your ancillary weapons to make plays. Otherwise, I mean... I'll be honest, George, I think we're looking at another loss in this streak continuing. Yeah, no, there's no question about it. And I think when you talk about Mo Cox, you got to factor in the fact, too, he's probably not going to run a lot of routes. They're going to go mass protection a lot. They're going to have to because of what they've seen from this Jacksonville team in the past and because Josh Allen is a game changer. You know, he's absolutely a beast. And now you've got Trayvon Walker on the other side. Uh, you've got a lot to worry about. I think you're going to have to keep. Mo Ali Cox in more often than, than you might in another game. I think you're going to have to keep Jonathan Taylor in. He's going to probably be on the field an awful lot because he's going to have to be out there to chip and to try to keep Matt Ryan upright. And so the receivers are going to have to make plays. And I think that's a huge thing. And I think Mike Strawn is going to play a big role in that, uh, especially if Alec Pierce can't go. But Mike Strawn is the one guy this Jacksonville team doesn't know because the Colts don't know him all that well. I mean, let's be honest. He hasn't played a ton on the field. I talked to him in the locker room on Wednesday. He said he's feeling 100% now. The injury is completely behind him. He obviously got that 
through, you know, the spring and, and, and most of training camp. It's out of the way. It's he doesn't have any limitations. Um, he had you could argue, hey, look, it's it's a low bar, but he had probably the best game of his career on Sunday against the Texans. And I know it's just a couple catches, but that's important because we were talking about that all summer. Can he go out there, earn time on the field, make plays? He did it in week one. I'm not saying he's going to go out and have a hundred yard game. They don't need that, but he's the kind of guy that if he makes a play or two, maybe you have to rethink your strategy on Pittman. Absolutely. Right. Anything at this point to take attention off of the two most important guys, the Colts, Michael Pittman Jr. And John, tell you right. They, they need guys to step up big time. And for strong too, he's a guy that I think is really going to be probably the, the biggest focal point for the Colts or, or maybe the most important outside of those two main guys. Because one area we've seen, George, is that the Colts receivers and tight ends have struggled with so far in training camp in, in week number one, separation. You know, especially one-on-one. I know it's preseason, but we have seen the Colts when they were going against, especially Buffalo early on, when you're up in some of these Colts receivers' faces, they struggle with getting separation, getting, you know, uh, free one-on-one. Well, if you're looking now at a defensive line of Jacksonville where they're either going to be getting pressure or, to your point, you're going to be max protecting, only sending two or three guys out in a route at a time and maybe using Mo Ali Cox and Jonathan Taylor to pass protect. Well, Matt Ryan, either way, he's probably not going to have a lot of time. You're going to have to get the ball out quick. You need to win your route either at the line of scrimmage right away or present a big target for Ryan to throw the ball to. And that's at least what Strawn does. He's not a burner by any stretch of the imagination. But he gives Matt Ryan a big target where he's got to throw the ball quick on, let's say, a, a slant or a 10-yard curl, strongly does provide you a big range to throw the ball and have him go make a play. Yeah, you know, and the other guy I think it's going to be really huge is, is Paris Campbell. You saw in the fourth quarter he was finding the hole in the zone and, mm-hmm. and getting those big third down plays. He's the guy, I think, who's got that speed, that that short area quickness to win early in, in the down and, and get that, you know, be that hot guy, so to speak, right. be that hot route. And he's also a guy who can take that underneath route and, and make something happen. The Colts need these kinds of things. If you're going to go and break this streak, you need these kind of plays to happen. You're going to need guys to, to take some underneath routes and, and, and break them big. And you're going to need somebody other than Michael Pittman or Jonathan Taylor to step up and, and make big plays. And the theme, George, too, if you want to say there's one overarching theme for the most part of this losing streak in Jacksonville, it's been just that, the lack of ability of anyone outside of your main contributors to step up. Last year, no one did. Even in some of the wins against Jacksonville and Indy the last few years, it's been the Jonathan Taylor show or the special team show like last year at home blocking a punt for a touchdown. It's been a lot of those small areas. But for the most part, especially in Jacksonville, those guys you need to rely on, whether it's 2018, whether it's 2020, whether it's 2021, you need a big play out of anyone not named Michael Pittman Jr. or Jonathan Taylor. You're not really finding it. So you're right. You really need someone outside of the two main guys here to make a play. Right, we're not asking for 100 yards receiving or, or three touchdowns per se from a running back or receiver, but it's those three, four, five plays, maybe on a third down, maybe on a first down, you take a shot, go deep. It's make those three or four plays that truly are the difference where the Colts have not done it the last few years, that now if you do hit a few of those plays will be the big difference. Speaking of hitting big plays, George, we got the breaking news on Tuesday. The Colts waived Rodrigo Blankenship after uh, his missed 42-yard field goal in overtime and his two kickoffs out of bounds. The Colts so far have not named a starting kicker, although they have uh, signed two kickers and basically have a competition leading into the game on Sunday. Chase McLaughlin, who was on the Colts back in 2019, went five out of six in that season, and rookie Lucas Haversek. I hope I'm saying that correctly. I apologize if I'm not Lucas. But two, one known commodity, again, Colts fans know Chase McLaughlin, another unknown commodity in Lucas. 
I think either way, whoever does win the, if you want to call it a kicking competition, George, between now and Sunday, I don't think it's going to matter too much because I think we're going to see a much more aggressive Frank Reich, almost like 2018 levels of aggressiveness, where if you go back to that overtime game against the Texans where he's going forward on his what, his own 18-yard line, I, I think it's going to be <laughs> uber, uber, uber aggressive because you cannot assume anything with this kicking game uh, going forward on Sunday. No, I think that, I think you're absolutely right. You know, I, he even talked about today a little bit. There was a big on Wednesday when we talked to him. Uh, there was a big discussion about analytics and you know how do you determine different things. And he was talking about the charts and and green boxes. And then there's green plus one and green plus two. And you know the the wildcat play was a green plus two. In case you're wondering. Uh, which means it was a solid go. I don't know that, you know, particularly that play, but that fourth and two situation was. Um, but then there's a sliding scale for kickers that also kind of factors into that, you know, so, and that changes during the game. But he'll go to, to John Park and George Lee, who are the, the numbers guys, the analytics guys in this organization. And, you know, they'll tell him this is where the this is where the kickers ranked right now. And he said he's going to take into account how the game's going. You know, obviously, if, if the kicker's hot, if, if he's had some good kicks already that day, maybe you, you take that into account and you're ready to go. If he's already had a miss or two, you have to factor that in as well. Uh, so it's it's definitely a sliding scale, and he's very open about the fact that the kicker is, you know, a major part of that, that formula, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and I think you're going to see it. I think you're going to see a much more aggressive Frank Reich uh, because he probably needs to be. I mean, until one of these kickers wins the competition, comes out and establishes himself in the NFL – that could be five, six weeks from now. Um, you know, I, I think especially in a situation like this. Now, it's tough because he was ultra aggressive in 2018 against Jacksonville, passed up a lot of field goals in a the game they mm-hmm. lost six to nothing. So, you know, there's going to be some of that weighing on his mind, I think. But I think that's not what you're talking about. I don't think you're talking about fourth and two, you know, at the 15. I think you're talking about fourth and five at their own, you know, at, at Jacksonville's 35. You're probably not settling for the field goal there. Yeah, I think outside of – I think, honestly, George, if we're sitting here fourth and two at, like, the Jacksonville five, I think he's going for it. Like, I think unless it's, like, fourth and goal from, like, the eight or, like, you know, where it's just, like, fourth and ten from, like, the 20, I think Frank's going to be, like, insanely insanely aggressive in this game for two reasons. Number one, just because the kicker, like we said, is such an unknown where it's hard to rely. Even if it's a chippy, it's still just, I think, at this point, it, you feel more comfortable with the offense going for it. But also, too, I think it does send a good message to the team, like, hey, look, we know the streak's hanging overhead. I think it's fair to say they knew the week one streak was kind of hanging over their head going into Tennessee, uh, going into, excuse me, Houston last week. So where now, at least if you kind of know, all right, here we go, another streak, another, you know, negative thing hanging over our heads. I think being the aggressors in a place that has been the house of horrors for this team in recent years, I think it helps bring confidence, kind of ease the minds and maybe ease the, I don't want to say anxiety because so many of these guys haven't been there for that long. So they're not, you know, no one's been there since 2014. So no one, you know, has, you know, knows what it's like to lose the team consistently. But I do think it, when you are ultra aggressive and say, hey, I have faith in you guys getting it done on fourth and two from the five yard line. I do think it sends a good message to the rest of the team. Hey, I believe in you. I know he tried that last week. It didn't work. I still think it's a good message, especially when you're going against what's going to be an aggressive Jacksonville defense. I think set the tone that, hey, we're not scared. We're coming here to play. I think will benefit the Colts here in a big way on Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. And it, you know, don't underplay the history. I mean, the, the 2018 draft class is 0-4 down there. Sure. Guys like Shaq Leonard and Braden Smith and, and Naheem Hines, they feel it. You know, I don't know the whole locker room does, but they're sharing it. Naheem talked about that on Wednesday. They're telling some of the younger guys, hey, this is this is what's happened. You know, these guys have had our number. And I think they're 
more or less fed up with it, to be honest. It's one of those things that is frustrating as it is from the outside. Imagine being one of these players. And, and Naheem said straight up, I've never won there in my career. It's definitely, uh, yeah. Oh, it's hopefully a streak, George. And so really quickly here, I know it's still early in the week. Is there any sense of clarity with Shaq Leonard? I know they're going to kind of go through this week like they did last week. He's going to practice, 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 basically a game time decision. Is there any sense, optimism that you see from the organization that maybe has you feeling a little bit better about him playing in week two compared to week one? I mean, you know, it's early in the week, obviously. Wednesday they went pads and he was full or he was expected to be full. And I think that's a big step up. Last week when they when they went pads on Thursday, that's why it was limited. Uh, so, you know, how big of a step? I don't know, but it's definitely another step forward. It'll be interesting to see. We've talked about it, you know, really from the moment that training camp started. Uh, it's they've got to be careful, and they know that they want him to be 100%. They don't want to rush him back. They don't want to – it doesn't sound like there's a big risk of re-injury, but you're talking about back surgery here. So you want to yeah. be ultra, ultra careful with whatever you do. And I think the goal is, you know, first and foremost – He's got to be, everything's got to be behind him. When he gets back, he has to be completely recovered, completely ready to go. I don't think there's going to be a 95% in in this instance. I think it's going to be all or nothing. I'll be honest. I'm already starting to second guess my uh, declaration from a few weeks ago saying that week three is really the opener. Because after you tie the Texans, I mean, neither of us really thought that a a tie with the Texans was going to be in the, in, you know, in play. I will say it changes my calculus a little bit with how the Colts do handle Shaq Leonard. Now, to your point, you're right. If he's not 100% healthy and he's just physically doesn't feel, let's say, comfortable being out there, then it's not even a discussion. It's not a question. You don't put him out there. I will say I am more open to the fact of him playing on Sunday than I was, I say, this time last week. Because when you now tie to the Texans, now you're going to Jacksonville week number two. You can't afford to lose to this Jaguars team. You got a gift in the division with the Jaguars losing and the Titans losing. But with what this division is, with your schedule that's coming up, it's about to increase. This is a, a must-win game for Indy, and I would treat it as such where if Shaq Leonard feels comfortable in playing and can play, I think I would reassess what I said a few weeks ago where I wouldn't play him under any circumstance the first two weeks. I'll be honest, George. That Texan side has, has changed my philosophy. I think they need a lift. You know, I think when, when you look at that's that first three quarters, the, the defense wasn't playing badly, so to say. Uh, much like the offense, their their bad moments, a lot of them were self-inflicted, but they weren't there weren't impact plays. You know, until EJ Speed got that strip sack in the fourth quarter, you didn't see a lot of hands on on passes. You didn't see a lot of, you know, tackles for losses. You, you really didn't see a real active defense like you expect to see from this group. And that's one thing, if nothing else, that's one thing you expect Shaq Leonard to bring. It's a great point. There's like no juice. You know, you didn't feel like that energy or like that swagger they had on the field compared to when 53 is out there for sure. 